The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. <laughs> this is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Today on Fantasy Football Today, it is a happy Thursday for you. We don't have a Friday episode, so happy Thursday to everybody out there. How many uh, more times are you going to say day? Holy moly. I, yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, I guess we could put a little counter on. See, do an over-under, whatever you want. Javante, make more work for yourself. No, you'd have to do it. Javante Williams. We're done here. <laughs> in 65 drafts or 64 drafts since May 1st, Javante Williams is going as early as 6th and as late as 25th. That's a much bigger range than the running backs being drafted around him. Saquon Barkley going as early as 10th, as late as 36th. Wow. How about Michael Thomas? As early as 24th, as late as 111th. Yeah, so Damian Harris, 37th to 103rd. So we'll see what we can get out of this information. We're also going to talk about offensive lines. Dave, give me one offensive line that got a lot better this offseason. The, the most obvious one is Cincinnati. They basically gutted their three, they gutted three fifths of their offensive line and replaced it with quality players. Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins. They're, they might have a top five offensive line next year, which is scary when you think about the rest of that offense. Yeah, and scary when you consider they had arguably a bottom five offensive line. Eh, I'd say bottom let's call 10. It top ten, not top ten, top ten. Okay, okay, line, well, but it was bottom five, bottom ten last year. It wasn't good. It was so ugly. big, uh, big improvement there. Give me one offensive line that got worse. Um, I would say the, I would say the Forty ers have gotten worse. The interior of their line is now either unproven or graded poorly. Alex Mack just retired. Not that Mack was amazing. But he just retired. They also lost one of their guards. Um, they've got Banks, Brendel, and Brunskill on their interior line as of now. Those are their guards in their center. The Killer Bees, who might kill the 49ers' run game. Yeah, and I'll say the Rams as well, staying in that division. Andrew Whitworth retiring. It's actually the whole division. It's, it's really amazing when you look at all four of the offensive lines in the NFC West. Hmm. Um, had a talk. I actually had a talk yesterday about the Seahawks line with noted Seahawks um, fan slash analyst Scott Engel. And Scott tried to make the case that the Seattle offensive line is better than it was last year because they improved the interior of their line, but they've got two rookies starting at tackle. Um, so I'm not as convinced that that Seattle offensive line is going to be any good. But yeah, San Francisco's bad. Arizona's old. Well, Let's say what? San Francisco is bad. San Francisco may have gotten worse, but they were really, really good last year, and they still have mm-hmm. the best left tackle in football by in in some people. They opinion. do. The interior line though is a mess, and uh, it's, it's a good time to be Aaron Donald. <laughs> All right, so a good time to be Heath Cummings. Celtics take a two-one lead, 
And now the whole thing is tainted. There will be an asterisk because if Seth Curry, if Steph Curry even plays, we know he's not going to be healthy. So it's not it's going to be a tainted championship. Oh, for sure, because every other championship that's ever been won, both teams were 100% at the start of the series and 100% at the finish of the series. Right. Um, no, it was... Um, it was I, will, I will admit that last night, if you're not a Celtics fan, was not a very good game. They just dominated the first quarter and then held the lead the rest of the game. It's, Draymond it made me mad online, and then I made a bunch of other people mad online with what I said. So yeah. I apologize. Oh, I didn't see what you said, but I, I I will say that for me, it's a it's a constant battle between my intense hatred for Boston sports and my intense hatred for Draymond Green, and I don't know which one's going to win out every. Maybe every you just night. shouldn't watch. No, no, I mean, it's fun. It's a, it's fun basketball. They're playing really hard, and the Celtics are just kind of bruisers and different team and then you know obviously the even when the warriors lose they're fun to watch so it's good stuff it's true true all right so we got all these things to talk about today but i do want to start out with a new segment you've heard of 60 second rankings disputes these are 120 second ranking disputes i'll give you a little bit more time i just have two rankings disputes we're going to do a running back one and a wide receiver one let me get your thoughts on antonio gibson versus jk dobbins two minutes on the clock go Heath, and us not two minutes each two minutes total go heath yeah, I will take J.K. Dobbins because I think he's in a better offense. I think he's a better running back. I think his touchdown upside is higher. And I am not of the belief that he's going to start the season. He'll start training camp on the pup, but I don't think he's going to start the season on the pup. And Antonio Gibson comes with plenty of his own injury risk. I am very concerned um, by the level of competition that Gibson has for touches. And I know Edwards is going to share, and Lamar Jackson's going to take 30% of the rush attempts. But I, I am more concerned for Gibson than Dobbins. At least Gibson is healthy now. And when he does share, we know that he's probably not going to be on third downs. And I, maybe we overblew the whole idea of Brian Robinson coming in and taking significant work away from Antonio Gibson. And if you want to talk about touchdown upside, Gibson scored double-digit touchdowns each of his first two years in the league. I know that the metrics on him are not very pretty. But he's still going to have opportunity, at least to begin the season, to be the primary running back for Washington. I think they think their offensive line is better. Some people I've heard that believe that their offensive line will be better than it was last year. I'm a little skeptical of it. I think Gibson's a good football player. I don't think he's a great football player. And I think his ADP is actually a nice value right now. I would rather take him than Dobbins because Dobbins might get 50% of the total carries in Baltimore. Could be a lot, but he's going to need touchdowns in order to come through. Kind of like Gibson, but Gibson's done it two years in a row. All right. Next up, we have two players who were teammates once upon a time. And now we will compare them in the rankings. Allen Robinson, who will be 29 years old this season, versus Darnell Mooney, who will be 25 years old this season. I just want to give a little bit of context here because obviously they were on the same team and Mooney was better last year. But in the first nine games of the season before Allen Robinson's injury, the targets were pretty similar. Just, you know, here are the, here are the numbers. Robinson had 30 catches, 339 yards, and a touchdown on 50 targets. Mooney had 36 catches at six more, 450 yards, that's 111 more yards, and two touchdowns uh, compared to one on 59 targets. So the targets were fairly close, only nine more for Mooney, but he was a lot better. Uh, I just wanted to point that out because you look at the full season numbers, I like to look at those first nine games before Robinson got hurt. Anyway, who would you rather have, Dave Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney? 
I've talked a lot about Allen Robinson's projected role in L.A. and how it could lead to over 120 targets and double-digit touchdowns, and I think that's upside that Darnell Mooney just does not have. Mooney can be the number one receiver in Chicago. I'm not sure that's going to be such a great thing. I, I don't know how much I really believe in the Chicago offense coming into a new coaching staff, new offensive system. I hear Fields is killing it at OTAs. That's cool. We'll see how he does against top competition. And Mooney, is he going to get the same type of target share that he got from Andy Dalton with Justin Fields? Is his catch rate going to go up? Because his catch rate with Justin Fields last year was below 55%. I think he's got upside. I just think Robinson, I don't think what we saw from Robinson last year is the real Robinson. I think the target volume will be good for him. And I think he'll be able to come through as a top 24 receiver, Robinson will. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it'll be close in targets between Mooney and Robinson. One of them has to deal with Cooper Cup and one of them doesn't. Um, and I think Mooney's going to be more efficient than Allen Robinson is on a per-target basis. So I, I've i got him probably 10 spots apart. The only thing I see in Robinson's favor is he's, he's on a better offense. It's going to have more passing stats, but he's going to have such a smaller chunk of those stats than Mooney is that I'll take Mooney and the upside. Last season, the Rams threw for 1,258 more yards than the Bears and 25 more touchdowns. So you got to figure that gap narrows a little bit, right? You should get better quarterback play from the Bears and maybe not, I'm going to say, not as prolific from the uh, from the Rams. So hopefully things, you know, get a little bit, go a little bit closer in that regard. But 25 more touchdown passes last year for the Rams compared to the Bears. That's that's crazy. Man, I won those debates so convincingly that Dave just <laughs> left. No, it's Dave's hopping off just to reset his connection real quick. A uh, little choppy. Unbelievable. Um, not his fault. Just unbelievable. does not matter where he goes. Cursed. He's cursed. <laughs> okay, fantasy football today is here to help you dominate your fantasy league all season, and now you can represent your favorite podcast with official fantasy football today gear, only found on the CBS Store. I'm going to put a link in the episode description, but you can get t-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to the store, you're going to enter the promo code FANTASYFOOTBALL20 during checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. FANTASYFOOTBALL20, that's only for you podcast listeners, and I mean this... The URL is store.cbsports.com slash collection slash fantasy dash football dash today. But you don't have to worry about remembering that because I'll put it in the episode description. Also, if you're not aware of this, in the episode description, I do put time codes in so you can skip around to different parts of the show. And they're not always exact because there are commercial breaks that I have to account for and things like that that I don't know how long they're going to be, uh, pre-rolls and things like that. But they're fairly close. So... In, on YouTube, there's time codes, and anywhere that you listen, just expand the episode description, and you'll see the time codes. Hey, Dave. What's up, dude? Sound much better. Dudes. There you go. There you go. So I sounded bad for the most important part of the show, debating Heath. Yeah. No, you didn't sound right? bad. You, we understood everything you said. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you're wrong, but besides <laughs> that. <laughs> that was just that I know I'm not. All right, news and notes. Matthew Stafford says he'll be ready to throw during training camp. He didn't say at the beginning of training camp, but he said during training camp. And Cooper Cup wore a Matthew Stafford jersey as they announced his three-year, $80 million extension, $75 million guaranteed. 
Daryl Henderson, more Rams news, has a soft tissue injury, and rookie running back Kyron Williams broke his foot. <laughs> broke You're his foot. Yeah, now the why I'm laughing is because I wrote he broke his football instead of his foot. That I wish he broke his football. Yeah, yeah it's not funny. I'm no, sorry, Kyron. No, it's not funny. It was insensitive. But the good news is for Kyron Williams, rookie out of Notre Dame, pass catching back, he's expected to return for training camp. Is there anything we want to say about this cup extension? Stafford says he's going to be ready at some point during camp. Daryl Henderson injured. Kyron Williams injured. Heath, you have an overall Rams take right now? Uh, no. I don't think any of these things. Like the Kyron Williams thing is probably good news for Daryl Henderson. And Daryl Henderson perpetually has soft tissue injuries. Okay. All right. I, I wonder if their run game is going to be a, just as big of a mess as it was to end last season. And if that's the case, and that's going to be really, really cool for Stafford. Rest that shoulder, Matthew. You're going to need a lot this year. <laughs> You're going to be throwing a lot. Najee Harris could have his workload reduced. In fact, he said he will come off the field more. Okay. Sure. I, I, I'm a little nervous about Najee. Because the efficiency wasn't great last year, and if he doesn't get 399 touches, you're going to... Well, and he's got a new quarterback and kind of not not a new offensive coordinator, but a new guy accepting the calls and and calling them in the huddle. Um, He's got an offensive coordinator who's calling the plays that he wants to call instead of deferring to the quarterback. And and presumably a quarterback who can throw the ball more than 10 yards. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried that the target volume really shrinks. Yeah, I could see that being a legit worry. But I I feel like we got to lean on what we know about Tomlin and his teams through the years. And when they've got a guy at running back, they ride that guy. And so fine, maybe he doesn't play 75% of the snaps every single week. And I don't know what his snaps. He might have been lower than that last year for all I know. But he's going to see all the high-value touches in that offense. And he's going to see work on top of that. And they'd be foolish not to keep him involved in the passing game and the offensive line got better. I do still have him at number six at running back, but in the projections, he is closer to RB 12 than he is to RB four. Najee Harris played, you know, it really depended on the day, but (laughs) here are his snapshots. 100%, 95, 95, 80, 65, 84, 84, 82, 87, 75, 58, 97, 96, 100, 78, 96, 53. So 85 or more, or 84 or more most weeks for Najee Harris. So could they get away with pulling him on second and 10 or, you know, other other random situations, you know, where he just doesn't, they're they're not going to need a, a dynamic three down player at running back. They just put in somebody else. They put in Benny Snell. For, that's how they lower his snap share. Yeah. For the year, like all things told, he, he played 84% of their offensive snaps. That's a lot. I don't know if I can find that, but I would guess that is amongst the highest. Yeah. The highest for running backs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the question well, is like, yeah. do, do his touches go down the same amount that his snaps do? I'm pretty sure I can right. tell you overall snaps for a running back. I don't know if I can tell you percentage. Maybe I can. They don't really have great running back depth, so I, I don't know. This is this report here that they're gonna that he said he even said Najee Harris said that he's gonna be off the field a little bit more. Or I don't know if he said a little bit, but he said he's not gonna play as many snaps. Does it matter? Does it matter for fantasy? 
it makes me slightly more nervous, but there's nobody behind him I'm going to put in front of him. He led the NFL 83.5% of snaps. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Do you know who number two was among running backs? Derrick Henry. No. Well, I, I didn't know if that was per game, honestly. No. <laughs> I, I don't think it is per game. But he so probably doesn't play. You could probably correctly guess who this is. It's Jonathan Taylor, but do you know the percentage? 72. Lower. 71. Which means it's 69.3%, which means okay. Najee Harris was playing almost 15% more of the snaps than the number two guy. I, I get the Steelers' point. Maybe they do want to try and and that, that a little makes bit. me more nervous. Yeah. But I don't know of it because it, what is he really going to lose? Maybe right. some he, he catches? Loses empty, he loses empty plays and maybe a handful of catches. All right, let's handful go to our next catches. How about that? item here. <laughs> uh, Mitchell Trubisky is the number one quarterback during minicamp, according to DK Pittsburgh Sports. Mason Rudolph, number two. Kenny Pickett, number three. Baltimore. Yeah, it's got to work his way up. I Baltimore ran a Twitter expected, poll earlier yeah. in the offseason. Who plays more snaps this year? Start, who starts more games this year? Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, or Sam Darnold? Oh, that's a great poll. I think I would have voted for Mariota. Yeah, Mariota. Yeah, who won? The I poll. don't remember. Okay, back to <laughs> back to business here. Good stuff. Thank you, Heath. Uh, Baltimore expects Lamar Jackson to report to mandatory minicamp next week. Saquon Barkley says he's starting to get his swagger back. He said he lost confidence in his right knee after he tore his ACL and meniscus in 2020. Uh, so I've talked about how since his ankle injury in 20, what was that, 2019? He really hasn't been that great. But uh, this is an encouraging report. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. So Saquon Barkley. Sammy Watkins will be a big part of the Green Bay offense, according to Matt LaFleur. What chance do you give Sammy Watkins of leading the team in receiving? That would be a bad year for Green Bay. Uh, 7%. I don't, like, I think it's higher than that. Um, Like 8? No, like, there's nobody who should be expected to lead the Green Bay Packers in receiving. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. There's not a fate. I don't, I guess Alan Lazar. I think mean, I don't, I don't hate the Lazar Aaron would be prediction. the one. Uh, Jamie's prediction, by the way, was receptions, not receptions. Receiving. Yeah. Not receiving yards. Um, right. I, I think it's probably something like 15 to 20% for Sammy. And Ramondre Stevenson is focused on route running and being a third down back. He had 14 catches in 12 games last year. He had 10 in a four game stretch, but James White is back. So that's obviously. A guy who's been a pretty damn good third down back. Now, yeah, we don't know topic. how long he'll be back for. Could be just like this could be his last year. Who knows? Marcus Mariota won the poll. Hey, there you go. Thank you for looking. I tried to find it myself. I couldn't find it. To the topic du jour, players with I don't even really know how the best title. Wide ranges of draft value, as in they could go gaps, draft gaps, draft gap. Okay, players with big draft gaps. That makes sense. <laughs> How would you say it then? Um, players we don't agree on. No, that's not it at all. Players the industry, the industry has no idea where they should be drafted. There are certain players who are drafted in a very tight range because the industry has come to an agreement. This is right. where they belong. Right. That agreement has not happened with these players. So consensus list players. Okay, that's not bad. Player. <laughs> I like big gaps. Players with big draft gaps. <laughs> I like big gaps. 
<laughs> I cannot lie. <laughs> Players with big draft gaps. Oh, I would love to hear the parody of that. I like big gaps and I cannot lie. Okay, Your since can't May 1st, there have been 64 drafts on NFC, high stakes leagues. I got to write that. Uh, not including quarterbacks because quarterbacks, it really depends on your draft. And I, I didn't even consider quarterbacks here. They're always going to have big ranges. So I'm, I kind of grouped these guys together. But actually, Javante Williams to me is in a group of his own. So the earliest we've seen Javante Williams go is sixth in these 64 drafts. And the latest is 25th. Now, if you look at Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, they are going, the earliest we've seen them go is seventh. And the latest is 14th for Cook and 16th for Mixon. DeAndre Swift, earliest is 8th. Latest is 19th. Javante, earliest was 6th, and the latest was 25th, and his ADP is 14th. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Some people, I guess, I don't know how many, but still buy into him as a true breakout. Others more cautious. But really, I thought 25 as the lowest for Javante Williams was higher than I expected. Uh, I thought he'd be easily around 30 in a lot of drafts. I am wondering how many um, how many players this will be the case on, but I actually do not have Javante Williams ranked within the range. <laughs> Where you have him ranked? 28th. And he went 27th in the first draft we did after the NFL draft, and Melvin Gordon had re-signed at that point. Melvin Gordon re-signed just before the NFL draft. So, yeah, big gap there. Do you think Javante should be closer to 6 or 25? I know where he says. <laughs> I agree with Heath. I think he should be closer to 25. The, the heart wants him at six. We love the talent. We love what we saw from him last year. He was more explosive than Melvin Gordon. He's more fun than Melvin Gordon. But the brain says, well, he's going to split carries because the Broncos are going to be smart about how they use their running backs. And maybe it won't be 50-50. Maybe it'll be 60-40. That's still not great. And the whole Broncos offense is going to be totally different this year because, hello, Russell Wilson's there. So I I know that we want to take him. And if you just can't help yourself, you got to take him. Then round two, I guess, is when you take Javante Williams. But it'll feel kind of reachy. I... I might not be able to help myself either. When it's late round two, I love the talent. I, maybe I really need a running back. Maybe running backs went fast off the board. I would take Javante Williams in late round two. I'd prefer to get him in round three. I'd prefer to get him in round 12. But late round two, I think if you wanted to get him, you could you could make the case that he's worth it then if running backs are just flying. Okay, how about Saquon Barkley and Cam Akers? Saquon Barkley going as early as 10th. As late as 36th, Cam Akers, 13th is his earliest, and 42nd is his latest. Again, this is 64 drafts since May 1st. Barkley, earliest is 10th, latest is 36th. Akers is 13th, and the latest is 42nd for Cam Akers. Is either Barkley or Akers a guy that you could see being justifiable as a top 15 pick at some point? Okay, We obviously need to see a lot more. But do you think that at some point in draft season, we might be seeing an ADP around 15th or so? I'm not going to call it 10th or 13th, but around 15th or so for Barkley and Akers. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. It's, like, I, I don't think that they're going to get there as an average draft position, but I think they could 100% justify it. Um, Barkley is someone I'm, I might become the Saquon Barkley guy. Um, 
I've got him. I've just, I'm becoming more convinced that maybe he wasn't quite a hundred percent last year. And that's why we didn't have the explosiveness. And now it's back. I, they have not added anybody to share with him. Um, it's Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell and Antonio Williams. So I think he's going to get a big share of the work and none of their wide receivers are available <laughs> to practice because they're all hurt and they've all got a pretty extensive history of being hurt and they don't have a tight end to speak and, of. And their offensive line got better and their play caller got better. I, the, the question that I wanted to ask you guys is what would it take for you? What, what do you need to see? to feel better about both of these guys. And it's two separate conversations, but it might be this. Maybe it's not two separate conversations. Maybe it's the same answer for both. I, I liked what I heard from Saquon this week about how he's, he's, he's feeling more like himself and Heath, you're right. Maybe he just wasn't quite fully healthy and maybe the coaches knew it last year. He definitely looked tentative at times when he was running. And I remember talking about it with you, Adam, was it because he was tentative or was it because the offensive line wasn't opening things for him? Was it both? So the, the case can be made for Saquon, but it's always going to come back to, well, can he stay healthy? Because he's been so beat up over the past couple of years. He can be optimistic and he can feel like his old self. And he could even be put into a great situation where he could catch 20% of the catches like running backs tend to do in Dable's offenses when it hasn't been Josh Allen running the show. But he, he could also still get hurt again. And that's going to be a, an elevated risk that you have to take with Saquon. That makes me more encouraged to take him above this end of range but i'm not i'm not there to take him in round one and i don't know how good i'd feel about taking him in round two maybe there's a point where i get to taking him ahead of javante but i'm not there yet and i feel like i would just need to see and i'm sure we will see more positive reports about saquon barkley between now and the start of the season watching him in the preseason i don't think we see it first of all and even if we did i don't know how much that would matter but that's the exact same thing that we need to see or at least I need to see from Cam Akers. I'm not ready to buy back in Cam Akers because he looked terrible when we saw him in the playoffs. And I, I, I want to see reports about Cam Akers looking spry. He's looking like his old self. He's feeling like his old self. And he's 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 an injury risk too, just like Saquon Barkley. But I think maybe because he's younger, I feel like it's less of, a, of an injury risk. And the fact that he came back already from the Achilles makes me feel a little bit better about him not suffering a minor injury based on his recovery from that injury, if you catch what I'm saying. I don't think that I look at Cam Akers as an injury risk. I look at him as a guy who had an injury, and we don't know how long it takes to get back to... to if uh, you get back. Yeah, from the Achilles. But I think, I think that the fact that he was able to return during the season, the fact that James Robinson appears to be making some progress, that's a little mm -hmm. vague. Jacksonville thinks he'll be back by training camp. The fact that Kevin Durant's I know this is a different sport, but Kevin Durant plays at an MVP level after an Achilles injury when that used to be a death sentence. You know, I, obviously, medicine keeps getting better and better. I, he's completely different than Barkley. Barkley's had so many injuries. He had an ankle injury. He came back. He suffered a mm. different ankle injury, mm. and he played through it. He had the torn ACL. He got hurt last year. So he gets hurt all the time. It's Baker got hurt his first year in the league. As well, uh, right? He sure did. He hurt his ribs in, I think, his second game. And I believe, I'm trying to look it up now, I believe he had a small track record of injuries in college, and it might not have been so small. Uh, Bar Barkley, to me, has been one of the most injury-prone running backs for the last three years. So, um, I don't know. I put them in different classes. But, yeah, I, I, I just, man, Akers is in such a better offense. That's the thing. It's, there's just going to be, this is the time where there's so much optimism. And I, I just feel like buying into Barkley is, is like 
one of my worst draft picks last year was Barkley in the second round and in the RFFT league. And I, I just feel like it's going to be a trap again. But I'm, I guess I'm starting to feel so better about him in the third round. If it's 30th overall and they're both there, you're taking Akers as of now ahead of Saquon. As of right now, right yes. now you can change this answer. In a yes, I think that I think that Acres is going to be their lead guy. I think I, Henderson I, is going to have a pretty. I think he. I think he's going to be their lead guy. I don't think I don't currently expect him to get the same percentage of the touches for the Rams that Barkley does for the Giants. No, no, you're right. I definitely don't think he has any. Like I don't think I'm not sure he has half the target upside that Saquon does. Agreed. Um, so it's much closer in non-PPR than it is in full PPR. But Akers is another guy who I've got outside of the range that he's been drafted in. I've got him at 44. I'm just not sure. that. The, and again, we've talked about this in the past with Sean McVay. His offensive philosophy is not stagnant at all. It changes within the season. It changes from season to season. He's been one of the uh, – in the past, we had the Todd Gurley years. We had the Tyler Higby month. We had the <laughs> the year where they it's spread true. targets around better than anybody else, and it was like completely even. So we don't necessarily know what's to come. But I don't, I don't think this is going to be a running back-centric offense at all. All right, let's take a break here. We got some – a lot more players to talk about with big gaps. We'll be right back <laughs> on Fantasy Football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I don't even know what that was, Dave. We're back from break here. What was that? It, I musical? like big uh, gaps and I cannot uh, lie. Your ADP can't deny. <laughs> I, I don't have anything else. That's what I got right now. Okay, T. Higgins. Who wants to help me write it? T. Higgins and Jalen Waddle have pretty big draft ranges. Higgins, 21st is his earliest spot. And 47th, the latest we've seen him go in these 64 drafts since May 1st. Jalen Waddle, 23rd to 51st. Very similar to Higgins. Higgins, 21st is his earliest. Waddle, 23rd. Higgins, latest, 47th. Waddle, 51st. Man, when's the earliest you would take Jalen Waddle? 23rd is wacky. When was the earliest you guys would take Jalen Waddle? 40. I've got him ranked 46th. I think if I'm in a three-receiver... 
full PPR, no flex league, maybe I'd go a little higher than that. Maybe I'd put him in that 40 spot like Keith has him. I think there are a lot of guys that are going to be on this list where you can say, oh, yeah, I, I see why there would be a wide range here. And, you know, 20, 23rd to 51st isn't really that big of a range when you look at some of the guys later in the draft, but compared to the other players going around Higgins and Waddle, they did stand out. But I don't I don't really know why Waddle would have such a big range, you know? Um, yeah, I'm no, I think I, I think I do. Okay, Um for one thing, he was what the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft and just caught a hundred passes for a thousand yards as a rookie. And so people could be very excited that year two is going to be even better and Jalen Waddle is going to be awesome. And for the other thing, people could think two is not that good and Tyreek Hill is going to steal the target share. So I don't even want Jalen Waddle on my team. And and also, but, it only takes one person to draft him there for that to be his his minimum, right? So right, there's a but his ADP uh, is pretty close to the middle. It's thirty five. Assuming no injuries, what chances are higher that Sammy Watkins leads the Packers in receiving, <laughs> or Jalen Waddle leads the Dolphins in receiving? In receiving yards, Waddle. Uh. uh <laughs> Great question. Oh my God. Yeah, my I, think not, I think I'd say Waddle too, but that's just because. Well, hold on. You're saying, assuming no injuries, I mean, yeah. Watkins can't get hurt either. No, I think I might have to give it to Watkins then. Because now we're assuming that he's playing a full season, Tyreek's playing a full season, everybody's healthy. Uh, I think you could see Watkins get more yards than Waddle. I think that's where I'd land right uh. now. Yeah, well, no, it was it was who was more likely to lead their team in receiving, not who has more yards. Well, what do you mean by lead their team receiving in receiving yards? Receiving yards. Yeah, who leads their team in receiving yards? What did I say? I didn't you, say catch. Watkins could have more yards than Waddle. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't really think that's possible. Okay, that's a different question then. I was thinking about it differently because I'm an idiot. Right. Um I think it's underrated, <laughs> right? Hey. <laughs> I think it's underrated the connection that Tua and Waddle have and that they've played together. And it's possible that Waddle still leads the team in targets. All right, next up. I think it's possible too, which is why I think you could make the case for Waddle. Don't draft Tyreek, draft Waddle. Because Waddle's role from last year got him what we got. And he can still, he can still fulfill that duty and pick up 100 catches and 1,100 yards. But it, it, what we're hoping for with Waddle is that he also manages to pick up um, more downfield work. We're hoping Tua develops as a downfield thrower. And if he does, then this offense will be a lot of fun. And both Tua and Waddle will be worth, or both Tyreek and Waddle, excuse me, uh, would be outstanding to have. Another player going in that same range, but with a much bigger, much bigger gap, much bigger discrepancy in his early and late picks is Brees Hall. 22nd is the earliest he's gone. 56th is the latest for Brees Hall. And that, you know, that makes sense, I think. I mean, I, I know, look, the earliest is always going to be a little too early, I think, for a lot of these guys. But, you know, no one's taking Brees Hall 22nd overall, but... No, I bet you will see people... I think Brees I took Hall. Brees Hall early in round three at one point. So, yeah, now I've got him 41st. So I've got a pretty big range on where I've ranked. That's what I'd like to see is the range of like when we get to July or August, the, the who has the widest range of where we have ranked them. Oh, okay. Throughout the off season. Well, I can't do, you're going to have to do that yourself. I can't. No, 
We'll never be able to do that. We don't keep our archives of every rankings change we make. Well, Brees Hall makes sense, right? So do you think he should be closer to 22nd or 56th? I think he'll end up closer to 22nd. I think he's in that round three range. Somebody, so there's going to be at least two or three managers in every league that get excited about Brees Hall and will ignore you know, my pleas about, well, he's going to split and it's the Jets and this offense isn't that great. And they'll hope that he just turns into, you know, the next great rookie running. They hope he turns into Najee. And I don't know if he's got that. I don't know if he can do that. But I do think he's worth a round three pick just on the hope. Taking him in round two is someone who thinks that he's going to be the next Najee. Okay. I think he's better than Najee, but I don't think he's going to get near as many touches. I'm not sure if he's better than Najee. And I know he's not in as good of an offense as Najee. Oh, uh, for four running backs, four running backs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think the Jets offense is going to be better than Steelers this year. Oh, I'm, I am. I'm nervous <laughs> about both. <laughs> oh yeah. They both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it could be a draw by the time the season ends. Michael Thomas. I, I, that, I actually that, think shit, it might shit, be okay that, for them. Zip, zip. Michael Thomas. 24th is his earliest and 111th is the latest for Michael Thomas. What a, what league is letting him go of that? Far? Let me check his ADP real quick. Yeah, Michael Thomas. His ADP is seventy third. So maybe people just don't really know what to do with Michael Thomas right now. Understandably so. Should he be closer to twenty third or twenty fourth or one hundred eleventh? <laughs> go on, Ethan. I have him almost right in the middle. <laughs> I've got him sixty fourth. I think, but he's somebody who there's been lots of happenings. Since May 1st. Yeah. Um, the Jarvis Landry thing, the report that he's not 100% healthy thing, the video of him running thing. Like his his ADP is going to continue to have a wide range and swing. Mm-hmm. If he shows up and he's on the pup list at the start of camp, oh, good gosh. Uh, that's trouble. But yeah. if he shows up at training camp and he's fine and there's footage every day of him running precise routes and all kinds of good compliments about him, then I think you'll see him closer to where I've got him ranked, and he's right around 40th overall for me. Okay, how about this group of running backs? Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, and Eli Mitchell. Mitchell has the biggest gap. <laughs> Why am I giggling about this? I don't know. Uh, Antonio Gibson, 20, 26th is his earliest, and 64th. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 27th to 66th. That's been his draft range. And Eli Mitchell, 30th, the earliest Mitchell's been taken, 79th, almost 50 picks, 30th to 79th. Antonio Gibson, it's 49 Josh picks for the 49er. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Hey. Gibson's ADP is 41st, Jacobs is 44th, and Mitchell's is 54th. But uh, these guys, you could see Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, and Eli Mitchell, they went to the third round in some leagues, and they went to the sixth round, the seventh round in, in some leagues. So We have another winner. What? Josh Jacobs outside of the range that he's been drafted. I've got him 26th. Ah. And his early was 27th. Okay. So Mitchell and man, Jacobs. Why do you think people, let's start with Jacobs. Why do you think people are like that on Jacobs? Because I, I get it with Mitchell and Gibson. Is it just we don't know what the pass, passing downs role will be or what? I think that's where it starts for both guys. And with I think with Jake, I think Jacobs loses that passing downs role, just knowing the track record of of Josh McDaniels and his offenses in 
in New England. Uh, yes, in the past, there have been occasions where they've had one guy handling lots of the work. But I, I, I definitely don't think that that's going to be the case now. They brought in Abdullah's there now, right? And they've drafted Zamir White, and Drake is still there. And I, I think that there's enough talent there. And Brandon Bolton's there. There's enough talent there where they can find somebody to take some of that work off of Jacobs and not overwork him and make him a three-down guy when he's barely been a three-down guy over the course of his career. So he'll be a rushing downs guy on a team that just added Devontae Adams and has fully embraced the idea of Derek Carr piloting the offense to hopefully, for them, um, places they've never been before. So they could end up being a very pass-friendly offense, which means Jacobs is going to have to get it done with touchdowns. He's done that before. But I don't know how many games there's going to be where Jacobs gets 20 touches and kind of, you know, leads the way for the Raiders. He's a sneaky good bet to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Well, in 2020, he only caught 33 passes in 15 games. And per game, he was RB11 and non PPR and RB13 and full PPR. And he scored 12 touchdowns. So that, you know, it would have to be that. It's not like he's going to be a 10 catch. He's not going to be Damian Harris. Right? He'll have some catches, but yeah, I, I don't know. He's, got, he's probably going to end up being underrated, but not picking up his fifth-year option. and They still have Kenyon Drake, so I, I guess. Is, I, I don't know. I don't They've really, got I don't plenty really, of people. But but I don't they really have a him. lot of people, but like we're talking right. about Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah. These guys are not anywhere, and even Kenyon Drake is not in Josh Jacobs' stratosphere in terms of talent and pedigree. True, well, but they can, they're they're at least serviceable. They can at least get the the job done as far as third down work goes. Yeah, but I don't think he has that much downside. I mean, we compare him to, to Gibson and Mitchell. Who has the most downside in that group? Gibson, Jacobs, Mitchell. Mitchell. I think it's Mitchell. Who has the most upside? Jacobs. Gibson. Gibson for Dave, Jacobs for Heath. I just can't imagine what would cause somebody to let Josh Jacobs fall out of the fourth round. Like, I can understand I'm too hot, too high on him compared to everybody else in round three. But Josh Jacobs falling past pick 48? Yeah. Well, it's good if you can get it. The, well, that's the one thing I'm wondering about all these gaps that we're talking about is that it all it took was like one wacky draft out of 60 something drafts for Michael Thomas to fall after pick 100 or Jacobs to fall out around four. But his ADP is in the 70s, Michael Thomas. So that's why I did bring it up. Okay. He's obviously going pretty late in some drafts. And Jacobs ADP is like 42, you say? Yeah, something like that. So uh, he's out forty four round four quite often. So maybe 44. for him it's more like it's rare for maybe it was one Nick who took him early. I don't know what the early range is on the ADP or on the gap, but twenty seven. Yeah. So you know, someone took him at twenty seven and that was the anomaly. And not, not really. I mean rankings. the uh <laughs> was it you Heath? The ADP is pretty no. much in the middle. All right, let's just do one more group of players here. How about Ken Walker, Clyde Edwards Elaire, and Miles Sanders. They're going anywhere from 49th. Basically, let's just say they're all around 50 with their earlies and 110th with their lates. Ken Walker, Clyde Edwards Elaire, and Miles Sanders. So do you think these are three players who could have big time swings in their average draft position over the next couple of months? Ken Walker, 
Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, yes. Miles Sanders. Yes, all three. There's plenty of things that can happen that can help or hurt all three of them with their with their pre-draft ADP. But but I also think they're all three excellent values. But what could help or hurt Clyde or Sanders? Because I, for Walker, it's obvious. Just he's the guy, you know. Uh, right, Rashad Penny wakes up and all of a sudden has like three broken knees. No, forget that. I'm not going to play the injury game here because that obviously would. But, it, you know, right. it's just a bunch it's really of reports. unrealistic in football. Can, well, I know. I'm just saying that could change for anyone. That could, Ronald Jones gets hurt, you know, whatever. But Ken Walker, a bunch of reports. Ken Walker's killing it. He's going to be the lead back. They love him. He's going to be in the passing game, whatever it might be. I don't think that's going to be in the passing game. But uh, th- I could see him going, be ridiculous. shooting up in the rankings. Yes. But, Clyde Edwards Elair and Miles Sanders, what could change between now and then that would really change their ADPs? Nick Sirianni says we've got to get Kenneth Gainwell more involved. He's looked like a star in camp. Nick Sirianni says we've got to we've got to make sure that Jalen Hurts protects himself. And we're going to make sure that he doesn't run nearly as much unless it's, you know, what we'll selectively choose when Jalen Hurts decides to run. Let's have a I think it'd be silly discussion. for saying something like that, but it's something like that. Or, or something like Keith said. Andy oh. Reid says, you know, we maybe haven't quite used Clyde the way that we should have the first couple of years, and we really want to let him loose in the passing game this year. And he might say that in a different way. Like, let's say Rojo just tears it up in, in camp, and they'll, they'll learn in KC pretty quickly that he's not good in passing downs. But if he's running well, and this is one, this is a top five offensive line in Kansas City. Yeah. So if he's running well there, Andy Reid could say something along the lines of, "We're definitely going to try and use Ronald a little bit more uh, and and cater to his strengths, and we'll do the same thing with Clyde Edwards-Helaire." And that would be the exact same thing as what Heath just said, which is Clyde being used for what we came to know him for when he was at LSU, and not as necessarily a feature back. And then the, it's almost like the roles kind of reverse, and Rojo is going to be the early downs guy, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire takes on almost the Daryl Williams role. Right. That's not going to make his draft value go up. No, it's going to make it go down. Yeah. You, you didn't specify up or down. Right. You? Right. No. I, right. But that's the you know that's like what Heath said only worse. It, Heath said we haven't used him right, and you you know that's oh he's right. going to be this on the passing. Him this changing is, his role, sure. Yeah, this is he's the passing downs back. And okay, not, well how would you, no either way it's, it makes right. sense. If they said they haven't been using him right, and you want his ADP to go up, that means that he's got to be used in every facet right. of the Kansas City offense, which would be really really hot. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, offensive line notes, and then we got a mailbag here as well. We got Apple Podcast questions. We have emails, so let's go through the offensive line notes pretty quickly. Here were your top 10 run-blocking teams last year, according to PFF. Top 10 run-blocking teams. This is based on grade. Yeah. Okay. Dallas, San Francisco, Kansas City, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Atlanta, surprising, Washington, New uh, New England, Indianapolis, and the Rams. Bottom 10 run-blocking teams, going from worst 32nd to 23rd. Houston, Arizona, Miami, Raiders, Jaguars, Bills, Pittsburgh, Carolina, New Orleans, Green Bay. Top 10 pass-blocking teams, according to PFF. Rams, Cowboys, so the Cowboys were one in run-blocking, two in pass-blocking. Eagles, who were top five in both. Washington was top 10 in both. Tampa Bay, Kansas City, top six in both. Green Bay, San Francisco, top eight in both. 
Denver, New England. Uh, so the teams that show up in the top 10 from last year in both run blocking and pass blocking are the Rams, the Cowboys, who were the best, the Eagles, who were top four in both, Washington, top six, Kansas City, top six, and well, New England, and I think that's it. Did you San mention Francisco, New San Francisco. Did I miss New Orleans? New Orleans was, was a bottom 10 run blocking team. Pass okay. blocking, the worst 10 pass blocking teams were Miami, Atlanta, uh-huh. Giants, Bengals, Panthers, Titans, Vikings, Seahawks, Texans, and Colts. Those are the 10 worst pass blocking teams with Miami, Atlanta, the Giants, the Bengals, and the Panthers as your bottom five. Can you do me one quick favor? Yeah. Can you run through the bottom 10 run blocking teams? And yeah. let's just think about the running backs on those teams and how they did in fantasy. Houston, Arizona. Uh, Connor scored a lot of touchdowns. Awesome. So. Yeah. My, but well, but he obviously didn't run the ball very effectively. But they, no, they we, role, we've talked about it a ton. He was yeah. totally. We're just talking about fantasy football. Right. But it was very, you know, very good. It was the passing game for him that would help. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. And the touchdowns. Miami. 18 touchdowns, Adam. 18. Miami. Uh, no. One of the biggest busts ever in the history of the universe. Raiders. Jacobs awesome. scored a lot of touchdowns. He was good. He was good, but he has not been a very good, efficient he running back in the last couple 12. years. Yeah, he's never been a top 12 fantasy We're just back. talking about fantasy and not YPC. But that's important because if you just subtract, you know, if you're just looking at how efficient a runner is, this this matters. I don't think that yards per carry in prior years is as predictive of future fantasy production as past fantasy production is. But if we're talking about Josh Jacobs, whose offensive line has not gotten better, it's still going to be a liability, right? Dave, am I missing something with the Raiders? Oh, no, Dave froze. Yeah, Um, he's thinking about it. He'll get back to you. But no, I think... We're worried about his role, you know? I think he was just like he's been good for fantasy purposes with a mediocre to average yards per carry but and, he's done it in two ways right he's done it in two ways that might scare people a little bit which i think speaks to his wide draft range right he did it with a lot of touchdowns and he did it with a lot of catches and we don't know if he'll have either one so i think i think people do look at his yards per carry and say there's bus potential here. I, I understand. I, I'm sure that people do that. And they should. Because if he has a bad offensive line, then he's gonna have trouble he's gonna have trouble being an efficient rusher. I thought we were just looking at how did the running backs on the worst offensive lines perform in fantasy. We are, but it's I think it's a new I think we can probably very, very well just assume the running backs who had bad offensive lines had bad yards per carry. Almost, not entirely, but almost universally. And don't you think that's important? Did that mean they weren't good in fantasy? So far, we're through four of them. Two of them were terrible for fantasy, and two of them were very good, or at least good. But don't you think? Don't you think the efficiency metrics matter? Because I think what you're seeing here is that with James Conner and Josh Jacobs, maybe right now the lesson is if you're going to have a bad offensive line, a bad run blocking offensive line you're going to need to either score a lot of touchdowns or catch a lot of passes to be for the most part. If you're going to be a top 20 fantasy running back, you're going to need to either score a lot of touchdowns or catch a lot of passes. 
there are very few guys who are starting fantasy running backs who don't do one of those two things. But there are some, right? And there are the Nick Chubbs out there and the J.K. Dobbins out there. And, the, you know, it, you, but it's easy. Okay, but it's easier to score a lot of touchdowns when you can average five yards per carry because your offensive line is good. You know what I mean? But I, what, are we, what are we trying to do? I don't like, know. Like, I, because it's like, I will agree with you. And I think everyone already knows. If you have a bad offensive line, your yards per carry is probably not going to be very good. And that's important. Isn't but that important? But we're talking about how does the offensive line play correlate to running back fantasy success okay. or how did it last year? So I would so I would spin it forward to so can the, we go the hardest the rest part of, the offensive of this is, lines? What's that? Can we go through the rest of the PFF great offensive lines? Yeah, I mean, sure. Jacksonville. Um, mediocre. Buffalo. Bad. Pittsburgh, top five. Carolina, I don't, I don't think he was top five, was he? Najee, mm, yeah, he probably was. Maybe, yeah, yeah, he probably was. Thought, I thought he might be six, but uh, Carolina. Najee was third last year in total points. I, oh, not, per, I'm sorry. Yeah, per game, I don't know what he was. I wonder what he was. You got that? Um, eighth per game. Carolina. New Orleans, look at how bad Camara's efficiency was last year, New Orleans. But, again, top 12 running back. And Green Bay. Aaron Jones is awesome. Right. And averaged 4.7 yards per carry. Yeah. Honestly, a team that's 23rd in run blocking doesn't really scare me that much. I think probably bottom five is what we should focus on. But um, the hardest part is is guessing who's going to be in the bottom five. Well, and like this is one subjective measurement as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Right. You're still talking about grades? Yeah, we had we're pretty still long fighting discussion. about like what this segment is even supposed to be, and that's because we're missing Blurry Dave. <laughs> there he's, he's back. Am I blurry? <laughs> yeah. No, you're good now. You're good now. <laughs> Was I blurry all show? No, no, no you were just lagging. Why do I have internet problems? Follow me everywhere I go. <laughs> everywhere you go. <laughs> Black cloud of the black internet cloud, the black eye cloud over my head. Oh. All right. You know what? Heath and I had a long discussion about it. Dave, give me some teams that got better and some teams that got worse. The four teams that I noted that got better, Cincinnati, obviously, and we already talked about Collins, Kappa, Karras being there. They're going to be great. It's a really good offensive line. Uh, Adam, I think your Giants got better. Not only did they add Feliciano from Buffalo, Glowinski from Indy, and they drafted Evan Neal. They got rid of Will Hernandez and Nate Solder. So some addition by subtraction and some addition by addition. And I think that line's going to be a lot better. The Panthers got better. And this, to me, this no one's talking about Carolina's offensive line. They drafted Aquanu. They got Bozeman from Baltimore. They got Corbett from the Rams. I think that they're going to be a considerably better offensive line. And no one's giving them any credit for it. And maybe that'll help their passing game a little bit, too, because their quarterback won't be under duress from the second he gets the snap. Pittsburgh's offensive line also got better, especially with the run game with Daniels and Cole on the interior. Got worse. Five teams I've got. Three in the AFC, in the NFC West, rather. The Cardinals, because they got Will Hernandez, and they are just they have no real depth. Three-fifths of their offensive line will be 32 years old or older. When the season starts, the Niners I already talked about their interior offensive line. I made my killer bees joke. No one liked it. Seahawks talked about them because they've got the rookie and unproven tackles 
um, though their interior line is better. I think the Falcons, uh, they didn't do anything. You mentioned that they were great running the ball. Uh, oh, uh, they, they had really, a, they had a high they pass, had a great they had run a high blocking line, right? Run that's blocking. I mean. They weren't great. great, right? That's what I should have said. And they were terrible against the pass. They did nothing to try and improve last year's line, uh, and they did great horribly against the pass. The Packers, they lost Patrick in the middle of their line. He went to Chicago, uh, and the interior of their line graded poorly. The remaining parts of that line graded poorly. So I'm a little worried about Green Bay's offensive line, um, particularly if Bakhtiari um, struggles to stay healthy. Now, now we're talking about major changes on that offensive line over the last two seasons that could really hurt them. Okay, so some things to know. I really like the Carolina call, obviously, the Bengals. And I think it's worth noting that the Buccaneers lost their starting guards. Kappa, who went to the Bengals. And I thought Al- about them. Yeah. Ali Marpet retired. And mm-hmm. like I said earlier, the Rams lost Whitworth and Corbett, with Whitworth retiring and Corbett going to Carolina. Uh, right. So the reason why I didn't include Tampa, Adam, is because they did get Shaq Mason, who I think is a good band-aid for this year. Mm-hmm. And they seem to like Aaron Stinney, who was their sixth offensive lineman last year. So he's getting a promotion to play one of the guard spots this year. Okay. All right. Well, emails and Apple Podcasts. Let's go through this quickly, guys. Uh, from Stephen Murray. Every Bill's summer. Brother. Yeah. Uh, every summer it bothers me just a bit that all the season rankings from the year before include the last week of the season. Everyone knows the last week of the season differs in importance from team to team. Some of the studs sitting out, lowering their final rank. Is it possible to do an episode pointing out the discrepancies in rankings if we take out the last week of the season? This is very easy. I'm on a page right now where I can do that. So, um, yeah, we could do that. Okay. Anybody that you can think of that had huge week 18s? I'm looking at Austin Eckler. Who but that was a huge he, game. He was he was RB1 for week 18 with 28 PPR fantasy points. But I would never take that game out. That game they needed to make the playoffs. They lost in an incredible, one and, of the best games ever, basically. Remember and that Austin game? Eckler was number three per game through week 17. And, Connor yeah. had 27 fantasy points in week 18. Man. One of his biggest games of the entire year. In fact, his third biggest game of the entire year happened in week 18. His, that definitely helped his per game average. He averaged 16.5 PPR points per game thanks to that game. Uh, Devin Singletary. Mm. 25 PPR fantasy points in week 18. I don't think there's a lot of value in this, quite honestly. But it sometimes, you know, sometimes it's worth it. And I think one of the big things is you got to take week, t- week 18 away from Aaron Rodgers. Guys who what played if they told half a you game. Devin Singletary averaged 4.6 yards per carry in week 18. <laughs> Impressive. Now he's and been a pretty good, a pretty efficient running back. I got to tell you that it really made an impact with the wide receiver one in week 18. Do you remember who the wide receiver one, the guy who scored the most PPR fantasy points Amandra, in week 18 was? St. Brown. Um, well, I know who you're going to say it was, and my my list says it's different. Mike Williams. No. Who? Danny Amendola. What again? I've got Debo at thirty one. I've got I've got him at thirty point three. So I have no idea what the uh, what the difference is. How is there's one point seven point difference? I have met twenty nine. I have met twenty nine. He had twenty nine PPR points in week eighteen in our full point scoring leagues. No decimals. Oh, okay, next yeah, question. You use decimals. Right. Next question is from Kevin Bean. 
I have the first overall pick in a full PPR. Why no decimals? Why no decimals? I don't know. It probably needs to be decimals. It needs to be decimals for sure. The number one tight end in PPR in week 18 last year, Tyler Higby, 23 points. Okay. All right. <laughs> 9.3 over the year. I Okay. Kevin Bean says, I have the first overall pick in a full point PPR keeper league. Jonathan Taylor is being kept. Am I crazy for thinking about... Austin Eckler over Kamara over McCaffrey, sorry, or Henry. No, not crazy. What would you guys not do? Crazy. Eckler. I'd take Henry. I mean, I'd take Cup if he was available, but I would take Eckler if he wasn't. From Trev. If Cup were available. Dear Bandit, Chili, Bluey, and Bingo. Uh, two part question. First for Adam, how often does your kid ask to play the games that they play on Bluey? So we play keepy uppy sometimes. And I always play the doctor game or the hospital game where I get to lay down and the kids get to examine me with the stethoscope and all that. And I just, just get to lay down for, for 10 minutes. So thank you, Bluey, for giving me that inspiration. Uh, this is our second year in a new keeper format and the first time to select keepers. We can keep up to five. One of these players can be franchised. You tag a player. He takes your last available draft spot for keeper purposes. purposes. And he's guaranteed to be yours for two years once he's tagged, but you cannot drop him, trade him, or place him on IR once tagged. And after two years, you have to cut him. I need help with my keeper selection. They cost one spot ahead of where you drafted them. And you can keep first-rounders. That's an option. And players within the same round with rules that I won't bother you all with. Okay, anyway. So he needs five. Uh, Adams, Devontae Adams in round one. He's considering franchise tagging him. Mixon in round two. Clyde in round three. No way. Higgins in round five. Prescott in round six. Gasicki round nine. Michael Carter round 10. Mike Williams, Mike 11, uh, round 11. Trevor Lawrence round 12. Bateman round 13. Travis Etienne round 14. Amonra St. Brown round 16. So the, the guy that he keeps as his franchise tag is his last round pick. Yeah. His last available pick. So if let's say he kept St. Brown, which would be his round 16 pick. How many rounds does this draft 16. go? 16 rounds. Mm-hmm. So Devante would be his 15th round pick. Right. But he can't trade him, can't drop him, can't put him on IR for two years. I would make that Mixon. You would do it with Mixon? Yeah. Well, here he can keep five players. I, I think the guys in consideration are Adams, Mixon, Mike Williams, Bateman, ETN, and St. Brown. And I guess Higgins in round five, I guess that's fair value, but I think the other guys are, you know, Adams and Mixon, that's right about where they're going. Mixon will probably end up being a first-round pick, so it's probably a little better value than Adams. But, but I don't can, see how you, you throw in back. the final round. Right. Well, I'm just making the list of five, and then I'll figure out who I want to franchise. And it's you're obviously going to franchise the guy who has the highest keeper value. I'm not worrying about all the other stuff that comes along with franchise tagging a guy. I'm taking a guy for the next two years who I know will be on my team. But I also want to take advantage of that draft position. I think I'd rather have Higgins in round five than Adams in round one. Yeah, but you don't have to have Adams in round one. You can keep Adams and make him your round 15 pick. Just then I have to keep mixing in round one. No, you keep mixing them around two. Mixing so around you get two. a first round. The cost is one round more than where you drafted them. Then why did he write two with him? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it says they cost one spot ahead of where you drafted them, and this says notable players on roster, player, and round picked. 
Oh. So, so he does uh, so he'd go have one to keep round in round two. I think so I would what, go what if he wanted to keep Adams because he's a first round pick. He can't. You can keep, keep him. Him. He also told us that. Yeah, just answer the question. Let's go. <laughs> now I'm trying to find what it is. <laughs> Williams, Bateman, ETN. Higgins and Mixon with Mixon in the final round. So then I still have my first three picks. Perfect. Next up from, <laughs> I don't have a name here. Uh, 12 team Superflex dynasty league. Which quarterback has the best chance of being semi-reliable for the entire 2022 season? Jared Goff or Marcus Mariota? And I know he threw another quarterback's name in there, but that quarterback was already drafted. I think he's doing a, a draft right now. So which quarterback has the best chance of being semi-reliable for the entire 100% season? 100% it's Jared Goff. Jared Goff is one of the best um, low-end QB2s because he's one of the only low-end QB2s who really can't lose his job. All right. Next one here is... But uh, if, it's, if it's between Wentz and Mariota, I would take Wentz. It's not. Wentz is off the board. I thought you said Goff was off the board. No, I said Wentz was off the board, didn't I? Yeah. Goff. Yeah. He was available, and then he wins. (laughs) Okay. uh, Chad is a 52-year-old fantasy football player. For the first time in my life last year, uh, he played. Oh, okay. So he's 52 years old, and he played for the first time last year against seasoned veterans. I feel much more prepared entering this season, but I'm worried because I don't see how I'm going to be able to build as strong of a team as I had last year, and he didn't even make the playoffs. It was a 10-team league, PPR. He had Jefferson and Chase. He had Swift and Cordaro Patterson. He had Kelsey. He had Russell Wilson. That was probably the problem, and he didn't make the playoffs with that, so he just wants some general advice here, Dave, uh, going into year two. Boosts Chad's confidence. Chad, you probably did some research to draft the players that you got last year, what were the things that you looked for that compelled you to draft Jamar Chase? Uh, what made you pick up Cordero Patterson? Maybe it was as simple as you heard their names on our podcast and you said, okay, I'll go with them. Or maybe there was something about them, like maybe Jamar Chase was a ridiculously talented rookie receiver and you knew he was better than the guy who was dropping passes in the preseason. I, I think you may have been bitten by the tight end luxury bug, though. And you could certainly recoup Kelsey in round one with your first pick if you wanted to. Uh, although I wouldn't do it if it was an early first round pick. I, I think what you could probably say to yourself is just prepare as best as you can. Think of the reasons why Chase succeeded and look for those types of traits with other wide receivers that are going to be available after round four in your draft. That's what we're going to do. We all do it year round. We're trying to find those guys too. Okay, let's get to some Apple podcast questions here from Lachu. Bless you. Bless you, yeah. You guys are the greatest, especially Dave. Pizza all day. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the Startup Dynasty 2QB PPR League. I had the first pick. Only drafting veterans first, then we'll draft the rookies. This is my team so far. Jonathan Taylor, CD Lamb, DK Metcalf, Chris Godwin, Jalen Waddle, and Jerry Judy. Nice. Really good. I don't know if you're going to love your quarterbacks, but it's got nice. Tom Brady. Uh, that's pretty good. Should my next pick be Daniel Jones? <laughs> I'm not, I, I, <laughs> of course it should always, your next pick should always be Daniel Jones. You should know that there is a pretty solid to select the questions. Pretty. No, uh, Oh, the Apple <laughs> podcast questions. Yes. There's a pretty solid chance. Daniel Jones is, is a backup quarterback next year, or at least not the starter for the giants. 
So you should know that in a dynasty league. Or he could be a starter on somebody else's team next that's year. That's right. That's what I see. In that format, Jared Goff would probably be a better selection. Yeah, same thing I said about Jared Goff, though. About Daniel Jones applies to Jared Goff. I mean, there's a pretty good chance he's not the quarterback for the Lions next year. From John, he has a wild fantasy story for us. The year was 2017 when Aaron Rodgers got hurt against the Vikings. He was supposed to miss the year. The manager who had Rodgers dropped him. I picked him up and I stashed him, hoping I can ride him into the playoffs since my quarterbacks at the time were streaming options. Rodgers ends up coming back right on time for my Week 15 semifinals matchup. I end up winning my matchup and moving on to the championship round. Only problem now is I dropped all my other quarterbacks because it was week 16 and I knew I was playing, I was going to start Aaron Rodgers in the championship. However, Green Bay was eliminated from playoff contention that same week Mm -hmm. and ended up shutting Aaron Rodgers down for the fantasy championship. I had the last waiver spot and no quarterbacks on my roster now. My league commissioner informed the entire league of this situation. He messaged each league member, including the eliminated ones, and told them to pick up every quarterback off waivers. That way wow, I don't have any choice. Right? It's crazy from the commissioner. Uh, that way I don't have any choice of who to start at quarterback for my championship game. One league member completely forgot which quarterback he was supposed to pick up. It was Blake Bortles. So Bortles was the only quarterback left standing. I had no choice but to start Blake Bortles week 16 for my championship. And he went crazy for 382 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, plus three rush, 31 rushing yards, scored 24 fantasy points at San Francisco. And he won the league for John. How funny is that? Good That's stuff. That's awesome. What a story. He should get a Bortles jersey to uh, commemorate it. A Packers Bortles jersey. Yeah, that was a good story. Thank They're you for sharing there. that. That's a great story. From Griff, yeah, Packers Bortles. Griff Smith, please help me with my keepers for next year. A 12-team PPR league where I can keep three for the value below out of a $200 budget. Jonathan Taylor for 29 Yep. Yes. <laughs> Terry McLaurin for 19 Justin Herbert for 8 Michael Thomas for 8 Javante Williams for 10. Yes. Mark Andrews for 20. Deontay Johnson for 20. Joe Mixon for 48. Gabe Davis for 14. Jerry Judy for 14. Cam Akers for three. Yes. We, we I, got our three. Three running backs and three a, running in a PPR backs. I would probably go Taylor, Javante, and Andrews. And Dave, I you're wonder going. If, I wonder if you could get. Uh, you probably can't get Andrews back for 20. Can you get Andrews back for 32 in a $200 league? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you could. But uh, on, on the assumption that Cam Akers will be at minimum serviceable, he's well worth three bucks. Javante is worth 10. Is, is there a limitation to how long you can keep these guys? <laughs> there, we there we go. You always ask me that. And I never know, Dave. <laughs> It's I probably know. not. It's probably just one year, and then you got to throw him back. But if it's not one year, then you can keep Javante for ten for a long time. You can keep Taylor for twenty nine for a long time. I'm never ever letting them go. Okay, Ryan from the East Valley of the Adam. Sun. Where will that draft take place? Will it be at like a bar or a bowling alley or someone's? Basement? Oh, that was perfect, man. For, uh, I've made two three-way trades in our 16-team Dynasty League over the last three years, and I feel it's a great way to help facilitate a trade if you're lacking the required pieces and other manager needs. Have you guys ever made a three-way trade, or have you considered it? I never have, actually. 
I don't think I have either. I, but I have made two trades at the same time with two you. different. It's <laughs> my team with two. Kind different of the ones. same thing, but kind not really. Right. Uh, the other owners weren't aware. No, this is. Uh, I've been. I've been actively trying, but I've not pulled a three-way off yet. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do, man. Do, do, Two do, trades do, do, at the do, do, same do, do, time. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Law marathon has ended, and uh, we've got um, we've got FFT and five. We got to do as well, so you can hop over to that stream. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you on FFT. On well, actually, we have the Jacob Gibbs player profiles publishing on Saturday and Sunday, but we'll have a new fresh episode for you with our top twenty-four overall players on Monday. For Heath and Dave, I'm Adam. Have a great weekend. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.